All right, I want you to, we're going to continue in our message series. We've been in the Gospel of Mark for a long time, and uh, we're, we're not quitting yet. And uh, I want to take you into um, continuing in Mark chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible with you this morning, you can start uh, finding that if you have one. I want you to, um, I want you to imagine with me that you're, uh, that you're a fitness instructor. Uh, maybe, maybe Justin's our inspiration this morning. And, uh, and this guy's just kind of inspiring me to, to address a few things in my own life. But imagine that you're a fitness instructor. You, you, you actually went to school for it. You're educated. You've, you've done your research. You, you've studied all the different fitness routines and, you know, everything from P90X to, to, to whatever else there is. I mean, that's the only one I can really know of. You've, you've got that all dialed in. You're pretty good on your dietary stuff. You, you, you know what options are there. You, you understand anatomy. You understand the muscles and muscle groups and, and how to kind of work those through in a proper way. You understand all the body me- mechanics. You've got a good clientele because you're really good at what you do and people want to follow you they think man that that guy or that gal they know their stuff i know of at least one person in our church who who really fits that profile um and so you're at the gym you do this every day and then one day one day this guy walks into the gym just you know this is rich froning jr multi-time uh you know crossfit champ he put and, and he's a christian he's a believer so you can tell by the bible verse on his body you know he puts the cross in crossfit Right? That's, that, that's, yeah, that was pretty good. That's a dad joke, right? Right? Galatians 6.14 is, is, as for me, I may, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I mean, I, I appreciate that above. But you're like, so if, if Rich Froning walked into the gym and you're already the expert there, what would you do? Would you say, Rich, I got some advice for you. You want to offer you a few tips. I, like, I know you're the multi-time world champion, but, like, I got some things that I kind of want to run by you. No. Would you not, even though you yourself are an expert, wouldn't you say, hey, Rich, I want to ask you a question. I've got one question I, I get to ask. Wouldn't you ask something like, hey, what's the most important exercise I could do? Like, what's the one thing I should really do for my body? Right? And here's the thing. He probably wouldn't give you just one. He wouldn't just give you one, one trick, one, one, one tip or one exercise. He'd, he'd say something like this. He'd say, Hey, the most important exercise is your attitude. Right? The, he, he, they would do this. It's about giving 110% every day. And we know that that's mathematically impossible. But I just, I mean, I love that, that these guys do that. Right? He would be saying, it's not so much about what you do, but who you are, what you are being. Well, something very similar happens in today's passage uh, that we're about to read. A, a sincere, uh, I, I believe, very sincere teacher of, of religious law, right? A legal expert in the Jewish religion. He had the opportunity to meet Jesus. And he wanted to know from Jesus, here's an expert asking Jesus What's the most important law? Of all the laws, what's the most important? It's a, Jesus, just tell me what I need to do moment. And you might be surprised that Jesus' answer isn't so much about what to do, but what to be, who you are. So um, we're going to read Mark chapter um, 12, and beginning at uh, verse 28. And if you want to stand with me for the reading of God's word... We do like to do that here. It's our, our pattern to do that. And we're only going to read up to verse 34 today. 
Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. It had been a debate about uh, with another religious group about what happens in heaven with marriage and so on. And he realized that Jesus had answered well, and so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, well, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And the teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You've spoken the truth by saying there is only one God and no other. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. And realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You're not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Let's be seated together. What had been happening is there's sort of been this kind of assault on Jesus, different groups. Well, what about this, Jesus? And then boom, 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 he answers. Well, what about this, Jesus? And, and then kind of gets this point and be like, we're done. We're out. He's answered everything there is to answer. I've got a picture of a pomegranate here. How many of you have a pomegranate tree in your yard? Um, I just... We have just this amazing tree. I just love it. I love pomegranates. I love pomegranate juice, jelly. You name it. I love it on salads even. Those rare times I eat a salad. Um, and and if you ever go to Israel with me, and there's a note about that in your program today. If you ever go to Israel with me, everywhere you go, you're going to see pomegranate images. It's just everywhere there. And if you've been following in the daily readings, you're going to read about how the priests had their, their garments sewn with alternating little gold bells and little pomegranates. It's constantly, it's one of the seven kind of key species in, in Israel. They, they love the pomegranate. And one of the sort of traditions of the pomegranate is that it has 613 seeds. It's not true. It, they're all different. But anyway, one of the traditions is they have 613 seeds, one for every requirement of the law. And this man comes to Jesus and say, looking at the pomegranate, Jesus, which seed is most important? Which one's most important? Now, this really is a special moment in in the final week of Jesus' life and ministry. See, not not all the religious leaders... You know, Pharisees, Sadducees, priests, scribes, rabbis, they're not all bad. Like when you read the New Testament, you get to feel like they're all terrible. But they're, they're not all bad. And this guy actually wanted to know the truth. He was sincere. He's, he's very close to really putting his faith in Jesus. He'd watched the goings-on uh, around Jesus. And he recognized Jesus is legit. He's the real deal. And maybe he'd witnessed the clearing of the temple. We talked about that a few weeks ago. As Jesus drove out the, you know, the vendors and money changers from that place that was supposed to be for all nations to gather and worship God. Maybe he, you know, we're told that he overheard the debate in these previous verses about marriage and eternal life. We learned that there is no marriage in heaven. Maybe he had overheard this question we talked about last Sunday about paying taxes. Should I pay taxes or not? And heard about the parable of the tenants in the vineyard. All those things that that we've been working through. And so he's he's paying attention. And as an expert in the law, he actually has an answer to the question he's about to ask Jesus. 
don't know if you've ever had that conversation with somebody. They ask you a question, but they already they already know the answer. They want. It's a bit like you know, if my mom. It's you know, I don't re- often get to be up in in uh, with my family at Thanksgiving, but my mom will say, "Hey, for Thanksgiving, would you like a, a, a would you like ham or turkey?" Now you think you think it's a good you think it's a sincere question. There's actually a fifty fifty chance of getting the right answer. Oh yeah, mom, I haven't had a ham forever. That would be awesome because I have a turkey in the freezer. Oh, I had a 50-50 chance of getting the right answer. She knew the answer. You just had to hopefully get the right one. And I wonder if this guy's a little bit like, I'm going to ask Jesus. I mean, I think I know the answer, but but I'm going to ask Jesus. But I think he was sincere and he wanted to know. And he, I think his heart reflects, and maybe this is true for, for you. Maybe you're one of the, maybe this verse reflects you. I think his heart reflected what God had said in Jeremiah 29, 13 through the prophet Jeremiah. God said, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Another translation puts it this way. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek with me with all your heart. It's a promise of God. If you seek me, you'll find me. Maybe you've, maybe you've looked at the faith, maybe the Christian faith, and, and you've wondered, what is the essential component? Like, what's really the nugget? What's the kernel in this? Maybe it seems to you like, oh, there's just a lot of rules. You know, there, there's just, just so many rules. Or, or maybe you think, well, if I become a Christian, I've got to become a right-wing Republican. You know, maybe that's what, what you think, and you don't want to do that. Or, or maybe you think, well, then I'm going to have to, like, campaign for prayer in schools. Maybe that's what it means. And, and, and then you wonder, you come to church, you wonder, why do we talk about money? And, and, and why, do we, why do we say, you know, there's rules about you, you should abstain from sex outside of marriage? And, and do I really have to follow the Ten Commandments? And what's really going on here? What's the, what's the kernel of the Christian faith? And why are we even talking about Bible laws, Jewish laws? I mean, that's from way in the past. And, and Jesus came and, and, and hasn't the, the law of, of the Old Testament been replaced by God's grace? Aren't we done with that? Here's the challenge for us. The law, according to the writer of the book of Hebrews, the law is obs- obsolete. It's past. It's done. Not because God doesn't care about the rules anymore. Not that God doesn't care about those standards of right living and right behavior. It's because Jesus has satisfied the entire law already. He he kept everything perfectly in himself on our behalf. And so that qualified Jesus to be the one who dies for our sin. So we don't obey God's laws now to be saved, to be made righteous, right? We're only made right with God by our, by our faith. God's grace, our faith, bring those two together and we're made righteous in God's sight. That's, that's the good news message and it's for everybody. But we now choose to live in response to that, right? We choose to live a life that's pleasing to God in response to the salvation we've received. So we do out of what's already been done. We, we, we act out of who we are. We're not acting so we become something. We are something in Christ and out of that's what motivates our life. Does that make sense? And yet, it's in our nature. It's kind of how we're wired. Just tell me what to do. Just give me the list. Just, just, just let me punch the card. Just, just, just lay it out for me. Right? We want rules. We want guidelines. And we, and we like to break the rules. Yeah, rules are made to be broken. Right? 
It's in our nature to both want the laws and to reject the laws. And so, could there be, this man was asking Jesus, could there be one commandment, one rule that kind of boils it all down for us? Answers every question about how to live, and according to Jesus, there is. It's actually a two-part answer, isn't it? It's a two-part command, and it's taken from what we would call the Old Testament, from the Jewish Bible, that they're the scriptures of their uh, for them at that time. It's from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter 19. If you're in the, the, the daily readings, you'll, you'll get to Leviticus, I think, this week, or maybe it's today. And, and, and by the way, we can't even keep any of this if God isn't already at work in our life. You say, I'm going to love God. You can't even do that until God's done that work in you. Till you've received the mercy and grace of God to give you new life so that you can do that. A guy named John wrote about that. He said, we love because God loved us, what, first. That happens. So, Jesus gets asked the question and he responds in this way um, in, in verses uh, 29 and 31. Let's go to that next slide if we can. Jesus replies, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Here's the funny thing. Of all the rules, all the commands, this seems the least rule-like. Right? It seems the least like a, like a, like a, like a thing to do. Right? It's not a, it's not a defined task or, or obligation. It's not like, don't worship idols and, and don't kill anybody and obey your parents, all of which are God's rules. But this isn't, it doesn't feel like that. It's, it's not a task. It's what? An invitation to a way of living. It's not about what to do. It's about what to be. Because how would you even measure love for God? Like, how would you know when you've done that? Like, how would you measure your love for your neighbor? So the way of Jesus is not a checklist. It's not, it's, it's, you know, some you just kind of to-do list. It's, it's a way of living, right, that loves God and loves people out of what God's done for us. It gives honor to God and it gives honor to people. It's kind of what Justin was talking about. Loving people by encouraging them, building them up, speaking into their life in good and simple ways. And it's a life that, that gives ourselves away to, to live a life that matters. Love God, love people. I think if you go in the student center, in our student center building, it's plastered right up on the wall, isn't it, you guys? Love God, love people. Now you know, came from the Bible. Right? You knew that. It's not rules. It's not obligations. It's not regulations. It's not tasks. It's an experienced relationship with God. Alright. So if the command is to be in a meaningful relationship with God and with people, how do you do that? Like what's, what's the secret to that? Jesus says, first thing, right? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. It's a whole life expression to love God with all of yourself. But okay, we're going to try to break this down. This might feel a little mechanical, but I, I do want to try to unpack these four particular things. He says, first of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is, this is the place of devotion. Now, 
you know, I got to put Justin on the spot for a minute, right? Justin is 10 times smarter than I'll ever be. Possibly better looking, certainly lost more, lost more weight than I lost this year, but I have you beat in one area. I got married one day before you did, right? So, you know, Becky and I will also celebrate our 28th anniversary this year. I pledged my heart to her. I'm devoted to her. So I love her with all my heart. You hear that? June is coming. There's going to be some weddings. August, there's another one coming. Like, oh yeah. Or you think about an athlete, a really committed athlete, right? What do we say? We say they play with heart. Ah, that, that athlete just plays with heart. And, and how do they do that? They, they do that through the routines, the, the daily routines of devotion to their craft, devotion to their sport. I suppose you could call it sacrifice, but it's, it's the joy side of sacrifice, not it's not a burden of obligation. And so you love God with all your heart through devotion. It's not salvation by keeping the rules. It's a volunteer commitment to Christ, a personal relationship with God. Personal, active, vibrant, right? Personal, not private. So often we say, well, it's a private faith. No, there's nothing private about your faith. It's personal. It's not private. It's public. But when we live that way, it answers the problems of idolatry in our life. Or distraction, or, or or flirting with other ways of thinking and believing as we're devoted to Jesus. And so it affects how we believe and how we behave. My question is, are you devoted to the Lord today? Have you handed your life over to Him? Have you pledged your heart to Him? So we love God with all our heart. That's the place of devotion. Second. He says, you love the Lord your God with all your soul. This is the place of emotion. I know there's there's more to the soul, but you think about emotion or experience or even intimacy. Right? To love God is to engage your emotions. And that's a hard one for some of us, for sure. Right? Uh, but God, believe it or not, God gave you emotion. Some of you felt something when on your wedding day. Think, what was that? Where did that? It's emotion, right? That came from God is given to you from God. And so you love your spouse or your kids, your parents, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your best friends with emotion, that place from your soul, the core of who you are, you feel it. And maybe you get weirded out when someone says, oh, I just I just love God so much. You think, okay, you can't even see him. How can you love him? Right? Or or you, you, you get a little weirded out by some of these sort of mushy, you know, Chrissy, we sing some mushy songs sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Love songs to Jesus. Right? You think, okay, Jesus is a dude. I'm not sure like I want to sing all these cuddle songs with Jesus. You think, well, right? Some of you, some of you really just feel, feel that way. That's fine. But listen, we're expressing emotion. God designed you to feel, to laugh, to cry, to have passion, to engage your soul in relationship. And get this, emotion is almost always attached to a physical expression. Right? You're sad, so what happens? Tears come out. You're happy, so what? You laugh out loud. You're excited like we talked about before. It's like, yeah, you raise your arms. Emotion is almost always attached to something physical in your body. Now, if you grew up in church, 
There's a chance that you were told, maybe not explicitly, but you picked it up implicitly. You may have been told that, well, you ought not to show your emotions, certainly not in church. You wouldn't do that publicly. That would be drawing attention to yourself. Keep your emotions inside. God doesn't need to see that, and we certainly don't need to see that. Right? Some some of you really raised that way, or taught that way. You think, well, I shouldn't lift my hands, or clap in church, or... You know, I shouldn't laugh out loud. I'll be drawing attention to some out to myself. Maybe you've even been been shamed by somebody who says, don't be so emotional. What's the matter with you? Right? And I would just say, wait, God built that into you. Why wouldn't you want to express what God has placed inside of you? Why wouldn't you want to allow that to come out? The Bible teaches you to express in emotional ways. Sing, shout, clap, stand, raise your hands, fall down. Emotion, physical expressions of the emotion that God's given you. All right. So, love God with your soul. That's the place of emotion. Third one is to love the Lord your God with all your mind. This is the place of perception. You see where I'm going here with these words, right? Loving God with your mind. It's, it's your intellect. It's, 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 it's an act of love to use your mind. Compare this again to a healthy relationship in the family. One of my kids is an amazing gift giver. It, it would appear, poor kid, that gift giving is his love language. It's not for the rest of us. So he suffers every Christmas and birthday. Oh yeah, we're supposed to get him something. This kid, it's, it's not that bad, but it's close. Doesn't help that his birthday is at the beginning of the month, so it sort of sneaks up on you like, oh no! Right? But, that's his love language, and he has an incredible ability to come up with the most thoughtful, perfect gifts for the rest of us. He loves Christmas. He's, he drains his bank account because he, he thinks about perceives what would be great for mom, what would be great for dad. And he thinks about it, and then he searches it out online, usually figures some obscure thing, and he's so excited to give that gift because he's loving with his mind. The language is gifts, but what he's doing, he's loving with his mind and expresses that way. And how you think about your relationship with God actually matters. How you, how you grow in your knowledge and understanding matters. Faith is not blind. Right? Don't turn your brain off. That, that kind of faith tends to fail as soon as pressure comes. You can be smart and have faith. And I wonder, are you loving God with your mind? Don't, don't, you know, believe without thinking. Think about it. Think about when you're reading the Bible, when we're singing songs. Let your mind ponder the greatness of God, the deep love of God. Converse with God intelligently. Don't be afraid of hard questions, intellectual problems. Use perception to love God with your mind. There's another one, isn't there? Loving the Lord your God with all your strength. This is the place of action. Real love is active. Now, I can tell Becky, my wife, that I love her. I can tell her all day, every day. I love you. I can write her, you know, I can just say it or say, well, I told you on our wedding day, if that ever changes, I'll let you know, you know. <laughs> right? 
But if I never act on it, it's meaningless, isn't it? And so, it, it might depend on the love language. Maybe it's a note. Not really her love language. Maybe it's a hug and a kiss. That's my love language. It might be repairing something in the house. That's her love language. <laughs> right? Bringing home a potted plant. That's her love language. Right? But love without action is not convincing love, is it? So if you're going to love God, there's an action side to this. Serving, giving, praising. Going when the Lord says, I've got an opportunity for you to go. We have a friend that we commissioned out last Sunday, uh, Maynard Goins. He's in, he's safely, by the way, he safely made it to Saipan, which I still wouldn't be able to find on the map if you asked me to. Right? He's going, not out of duty, because I know Maynard, it's out of his love for God. He says, okay, I'll do that. It's active expression of love. Now, I don't know if I need to point this out. It's not a codependent relationship. Right? We don't jump through these hoops to hopefully get God to stay around. Like, if I do enough, then God's going to keep loving me. His love isn't going to go away. He loves us no matter what. It's unconditional. But we obey His commands by loving Him with devotion, emotion, perception, and action. I'm learning to hear and apply what God has spoken in His Word and continues to speak through His Holy Spirit to my heart. So, this is learning to... You are, you are who God's created you. You're a new life in Christ. But then you begin to do out of that. There's a second part to this great commandment, isn't there? The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you love God, it's much easier to love people. When you love God, it's easier to love people. And when you've really... And as I said before, you really can't even love God until you've received His love first. But if you find you don't love people, oh, just can't stand people, then you've got to go back to step one. Start by loving God. Loving God with devotion, emotion, perception, and action. What makes you feel loved? What makes you feel loved? It's being heard, isn't it? It's being listened to. I think I told you a story a few months ago of a, of a pastor friend that I'd bummed into. We never see each other maybe once every year or two and heard the story about his, his daughter had, had passed away, had died in a tragic way. And Hey, how are you doing? How's, how's, how are you guys holding up? He said, oh. He didn't even answer my question. He just said, oh, it just feels good to be seen. That's it. That's all he said. Gave me a big hug. He just, he felt loved because he'd been noticed, listened to. You love others by treating them the way you would like to be treated. Right? That's how you love your neighbor. You love your neighbor by treating them the way you would want to be treated. Listening, serving, helping. Might be someone you know, someone who lives in your house, or might be a total stranger. Might be, might be supporting a coworker in a time of grief might be taking the neighbor's trash cans in from the street. It's loving through action. Loving through serving. Loving through helping. Letting people feel heard and listened to. Now, God's law says don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, right? I don't need... I actually don't need to love you to not kill you. 
right? I don't need actually to love Becky to be faithful to her. But love flips this around. It takes the don't do this, don't do that commands and, and flips them around to the, the ways that I'm, that I'm, that I'm living becomes actions of kindness and service and care, doing for others as you'd have done for you, loving your neighbor as yourself. And why? Here's the big question. Why would I bother to love people? Why does it matter? Why? They don't need me. My neighbor doesn't need me to show love to them. They've got their own life. My coworker doesn't need me to show love to them. They've got their own family. It's We're fine. I can just keep to my... Why do I need to love my neighbor? Well, first of all, it's because Jesus wants your heart, not your duty-bound obligation. But here's the real thing. When you love anyone in your life, it demonstrates God's love to them. You simply become a pipeline because every person needs God's love. So we love so that they can experience God's love. You get to be Jesus with skin on, as we sometimes say. And that requires thought, intentionality, kindness, encouragement, looking for ways to build them up, help them, listen to them. And like I say, the person, your neighbor might be the person who lives next door to you, might be a total stranger at the grocery store, might be the person you're sitting next to you right now. But that person needs you to love them so they experience God's love through you to them. Isn't that good? I invite the worship team to join me back on the platform. We're going to sing this amazing song, New Wine. Love this song, Christy. It's so good. I've just like committing myself afresh to say, God, I want to be, I want to be used by you. I want to be a vessel that you can Fill up and then work through. Or do something fresh and new in my life. Some of us have kind of walked with Jesus a long, long time and it doesn't feel very fresh. It feels kind of stale, to be honest. If I said, hey, why do you go to church? You'd be like, let me get back to you on that. Why are you a Christian? Oh, let me think about that for a while. And my my heart's desire for you is that you would be able to say in a fresh way, I follow Jesus because I know God loves me. Because I return that love to Him and I return that love to others. It's about being rather than all the doing stuff. Allow God to stir that in your life. Loving God with heart, soul, mind, strength and loving others as we would love ourselves. Let's stand together. We're going to pray and then we'll sing this song. Jesus. I just invite you to re, to fill me afresh and to fill each one of us afresh so that we can actually live these things out the way you've called us to. Jesus, we want to take you seriously. That, that we, we bring all of ourselves to you. We're not just a, it's not just a Sunday checklist thing. God, it actually matters how I talk to my spouse and my kids and how I, how I, Interact with my coworkers and my, my neighbors and classmates and teammates and whatever setting it is, Lord, that I'm always looking for ways to build them up instead of have a laugh at their expense. 
And God, I thank you most of all that you express the deepest, the deepest possible love by sending Jesus for us. You're so good. You're so good. And so God, I just invite uh, you to do a work in my heart and in each of our hearts that we, we really would seek to, to welcome and receive the new work of your spirit in our lives so that we could become these people who love you and love others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing the song.